0: Please be aware that some content may be wildly inappropriate for children, or anyone. Hello! And welcome to a special bonus episode of Plotting Through the Presidents. Welcome back
1: for a quick sec.
0: We are in between seasons right now, but I could not resist because Valentine's Day and President's Day are just around the corner.
1: And he missed you guys so much. It's true. I missed you too, but my brain has been a little bit fried. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing else to say. You no. You're just like, I'm in agreement with Agreed. that statement.
0: <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. All our brains are a little bit fried. Um. I'm Howard Dory.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm his wife, Jessica Dory. I identify as many things, but one of them is his
0: wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in each episode, we take an irreverent dive into a lesser known story about the early American presidents and founders and their families.
1: Usually not a story that I'm privy to ahead of time. In fact, not even usually. It's I haven't been yet. I'm trying to convince him to talk about at least some of his research with me. So that way we can chat about what he's reading but we haven't gotten there yet.
0: Nope. You find out here. <laughs> so I usually write a pretty lengthy script for these episodes, but for this one, I'm going to let the presidents do the heavy lifting. <laughs> we are going to look at some presidential love letters. Oh, fun. Some tender, some bizarre, and some beautifully, poetically raunchy. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Warren G. Harding. <laughs> oh, no. Let's start toward the beginning with early America's favorite power couple, John and Abigail Adams. Mm -hmm. We know they have a lot of letters. Because they spent so much time apart, which was really sad for them, Mm -hmm. but awesome for us because they wrote such amazing letters about their longing for each other. Mm. In our very first episode, we talked about the letters that they wrote to each other. During their separate smallpox inoculations. That's right. And I, I love that courtship phase. Mm-hmm. There's something really fun about the flirtatious uh, passion of young John Adams. Even before he and Abigail were married. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were just dating, he wrote to her his Miss Adorable. He wrote her this all like official, like, it sounded like it was coming from an accountant. <laughs> and it was a letter about her owing him kisses.
1: Oh, it's like serious business.
0: Yeah, he wrote, by the same token that the bearer hereof. of sat up with you last night, I hereby order you to give him as many kisses and as many hours of your company after nine o'clock as he shall please to demand and charge them to my account.
1: Wow. That sounds a little scandalous (laughs) and controversial, but (laughs) okay.
0: I presume I have good right to draw upon you for the kisses as I have given you two or three million at least.
1: Wow. So maybe they were going to do a little role playing.
0: Like, I'm the accountant.
1: Yeah, I'm the I... accountant, and you owe me, and I will, you know, or I'm the policeman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I'm, I'm come here,
0: I've come here to collect.
1: Yeah. We did quite a bit of like writing back and forth.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say role playing. Sure. Oh. Like, I don't recall well, we don't, of that.
1: Okay. Well, we don't have to tell everyone that we don't do a lot of role playing. That's not really. Oh, that's, I want that. I want to keep them on their toes okay. about what what kind of <laughs> things we do behind the curtain. I'm sorry,
0: we do a mysterious amount of role playing. <laughs> it's unquantifiable. It's no one's
1: business. Yeah. how much role playing we do. That's, Sometimes that's sure. we don't even
0: tell each other that we're role playing.
1: Right. Sometimes yeah. we'll, we'll just pretend we're someone else. My secret far name is Derek for a year, <laughs> and she doesn't even know. Okay.
0: I am so thankful that John and Abigail never burned their letters, even Mm -hmm. though she once asked him to. But he said, you bid me burn your letters, but I must forget you first. He made sure their letters were preserved, and that's why we get to see how great a writer she was as well. Mm -hmm. Later in life, way after the courtship phase, she wrote to him, With an indescribable pleasure, I have seen near a score of years roll over our heads. With an affection heightened and improved by time, nor have the drear years of absence in the smallest degree effaced from my mind the image of the dear, untitled man to whom I gave my heart.
1: Oh, I mean, let's be frank. Like, all words sounded pretty eloquent back then, I feel, (laughs) to to our ears. But, yeah, she had some words.
0: She did. She had some words. I love her. I know. And they they really cared about each other, which is a good thing because I'm convinced that without her, he would have been a monster. (laughs)
1: i mean maybe that's true about all of us without our spouses (laughs) what are you saying i'm saying that both of us probably would have been monsters without the other or you would have been (laughs) all right i just wanted to clarify you you would have been just fine i mean it's debatable
0: (laughs) speaking of debatable monsters uh thomas jefferson Is is
1: among the love letters yes Oh, fun. Um, to who, though? It's a mystery. Is it to uh, Mariah Causeway?
0: That's what we're going to talk about today, because all of his correspondence with his wife, Martha, he burned to protect her privacy.
1: Oh, now we won't know. Yeah, we, we
0: don't know what they wrote. We don't know what George Washington and Martha Washington wrote to each other. Um, so who knows how many great love letters we might be missing out on.
1: Yeah, but Maria Ca- Mariah Causeway, we have. we have those.
0: Yes, we we talked about this in our episode, uh, Jefferson's Broken Heart and Wrist. Yeah, this was an epic love letter to a woman he fell for in France Mm -hmm. um, after his wife had died. It was a a huge, melodramatic conversation between his head and his heart. It's a doozy of a letter.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So he he wrote the whole 12-page love letter with his left hand because his right wrist was... (laughs) Mysteriously broken when he was with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But one line that, looking back on it, I just thought, oh, that's nice. I like how he brings Paris into it as a character. He says, how gay did the face of nature appear? Hills, valleys, chateaux, gardens, rivers, every object wore its liveliest hue. Hmm. Whence did they borrow it? From the presence of our charming companion, his head and heart's companion, Mariah oh they were pleasing because she seemed pleased alone the scene would have been dull and insipid the participation of it with her gave it relish
1: hmm. that's lovely it yeah. makes me want to go to paris
0: i know we were lucky enough to spend some of our honeymoon there and i gotta say it's a hell of a compliment to tell someone that they make paris beautiful
1: yeah that's i mean probably one of the loveliest compliments i've ever heard <laughs>
0: Yeah. and it's not even
1: torn <laughs> to me. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I, I, maybe I'll maybe I'll see if Derek can write you something. <laughs> look something up.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we made Paris beautiful for each other. I just remember losing some kind of gate code, and you and I had like this huge fight.
0: You remember the little negative moments more than like the that's not the true. whole feeling, and the you know I shrug those off, and I'm like, oh, it was wonderful.
1: I have, I still believe it was wonderful. Okay, I mean to me, it's like part of the fondness i don't know well, yeah. i look back at even the arguments is kind of funny you know yeah. like we couldn't get the car turned around and how we yeah. were stuck in the middle of the street i was thinking even in that moment i'm like this is going to be laughable later we're going to laugh at this yeah <laughs> i thought
0: if i if this car doesn't blow up with us anyway. <laughs> yeah <laughs> who knew that to reverse an automatic car in in france you had to pull the the little shifter thing toward the ceiling
1: i know you have That's... to like elongate a whole different shifter yeah we didn't know that and we, neither did neither did the locals no <laughs> they were like baffled as well yeah
0: they were like oh let me help in french and i'm like say automatique and they're like "Oh," <laughs> and yeah nobody nobody knew
1: except this really nice old man yeah he had the patience
0: our french guardian angel our
1: french guardian angel stopped and he he like got in and started wiggling
0: it and then he worked on the <laughs> shifter <laughs>
1: I feel like I set you up for that one. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> I feel like I like popped that fly, and you hit that right over there. But I was there popping it up to you.
0: You popped that fly? Is it? A, <laughs> and then it hit you it. Over keep the, turning everything how I many, say. You know, I just wonder how many sports into are in that metaphor.
1: One, the volleyball metaphor. Oh, so
0: popping a fly is a volleyball term.
1: <laughs> I mean. You guys can't see his face right now but he like has such glee I'm in having so... me trapped in this moment i i don't play volleyball uh-huh. so i don't i'm not sure about the accuracy of my terms all i'm saying is you know that move when someone thro- hits the ball in the air so the other person can hit yeah, it pop on a the- fly yes i popped you a fly
0: and i don't I, know if- i aced it wait no that's i spiked it
1: yeah yeah that's right yeah It's a home run. (laughs) (laughs) Touchdown. (laughs) Double
0: fault. We're
1: not sports people, as you can see. That's okay.
0: All right. So next, let's talk about James Monroe. Okay. All right.
1: I always get him confused with Madison.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Madison was a little guy. And James Monroe was a a taller, more majestic looking, soldiery type guy. That's, that's the best way to conceive of them for me.
1: Okay. Visually. Okay.
0: Visually. And also like just the essence of who they were kind of,
1: Oh, interesting. So the, the shoe really fits the foot. Okay.
0: They, they physically manifest a lot that speaks to their personalities, I would say. Right.
1: Okay. That's a really eloquent way of putting it. Well, thank you. Nice job.
0: So James Monroe and his wife, Elizabeth were truly in love. Mm -hmm. But we don't get to see many letters showing that because, unlike most couples at the time, they almost always traveled together. Mm. He seemed to actually enjoy her company. Wow. He brought her along to France. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of France, she was a big hit there. They called her la belle américaine, like the beautiful American. Mm -hmm. One letter that we have between them shows how devoted he was. And it came shortly after one of his daughters was born. He wrote, mm. my dear Eliza, I hope to hear from you by the post this evening. I have the utmost anxiety to know that yourself and our little Eliza are well. Has she grown any? And is there any perceptible alteration in her? Mm. I was sorry you had not with you one article you mentioned as necessary for the little monkey. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah, that's a man missing his life. Yeah, right there. I mean,
0: he was I love how he was interested in yeah. his like, growing child. Even though it sounds like he could be talking about a lab specimen.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> monkey, huh? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And it's like any perceptible alteration, send me the data. Well,
1: see, for some reason that part was endearing to me. It is Can it's, you it's, perceive yes. anything different, I mean, you know, that part was endearing to yeah,
0: me. Yeah, I love that because even as, as parents who work, mm-hmm. um, sometimes like we'll come home and they look see different our one, and <laughs> it's like he grew he grew yeah, today. Yeah,
1: yeah. I t- I've had that experience yeah. too. Just like not seeing him that day, and then seeing him in the evening, and then thinking he looks older. Yeah, it's and you know it's probably in our heads, but there's a chance that it's not. You know. Yeah, I've definitely gotten him up
0: from naps, and it's like, okay, you're, you're you grew, a bigger kid, you grew yeah. over that nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now on to my fave,
1: mm-hmm. John, John Quincy Adams.
0: Yes. Uh, one thing that he and his father, John Adams had in common is that they love their books maybe even more than their families, (laughs) but there were some differences. So John Quincy Adams, he didn't have the same playful flirtatiousness and courtship with Louisa that his father had with Abigail. He started out a lot more serious and he got like looser as he got older Mm. when they were engaged and he was in the Netherlands and she was at her home in London. He wrote, The weather being fine, I took a walk to the seashore, about three miles from this place. The English coast is opposite, though far beyond the reach of the sight. I looked over the waters, as far as the eye could extend, and although it finally settled upon the borders of the horizon and the ocean, the imagination by no means rested there. It instantly carried me the rest of the way. An instant of illusion transported me to you. Mm. But this is where the guilt comes in. Oh, no, he says. But the next returned me to the beach and admonished me to return to my solitude and my books. To my books, I can return with pleasure, even from the most pleasing excursions of the fancy. They leave no languor, no satiety, no listlessness of indolence upon the mind. What? (laughs) They are therefore the only refuge of one to whom the common course of society is now more than ever insipid.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, I hope um, I hope Louisa was like by Felicia
0: (laughs) (laughs) because I think she was used to the fact that he was just this like that she was secondary. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he there was a maybe a certain appeal to this man who was very dedicated to Mm -hmm. to bettering himself and his books and his studies. That sounds familiar. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he was just too busy whipping himself, basically, for his impure thoughts to think about things like love.
1: Wow, okay.
0: But when he got older, he took plenty of time to write about his impure thoughts.
1: Interesting. And it's so interesting that he started out like too wound up too tight and then slowly loosened up. I feel like it usually goes the other way, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, well, I think with with John Adams, his dad was a farmer mm -hmm. and he may have had pressure on him to succeed, but not like John Quincy Adams. Like his father was basically telling him, you've got all the advantages. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't rise to the top of the country, you're a failure and it's no one's fault but your own. Mm -hmm. So he had tremendous pressure on himself. Yeah. And he put a lot of pressure on himself as well. So I think that it took him a while to get comfortable in his own skin. Interesting. To realize that he could kind of let loose a little bit more and use his advantages Like, to realize, hey, the people have elected me to this position, Uh, I can kind of say what I want and fight for what I want. Mm -hmm. And if I want to write a dirty poem, (laughs) if I want to do this, nobody's going to stop me.
1: Right. Well, it does seem like age makes you wiser then, even though he loosened up. I mean, he loosened up for the right reasons.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that.
1: Whereas usually it's the kids that are kind of like wound a little too loose, and then they tighten up as they become adults and have more responsibility. But it seems for him it was the opposite. He was like, okay, I've, I've earned what I needed to earn and now I can relax.
0: Yeah. And even his dad had some of that too. Mm-hmm. Like old John Adams was, I mean, his whole life was about like getting those kids off his lawn. <laughs> but when he was really old, he, he didn't give a shit about, you know, what he said or, or who he offended much at all mm-hmm. because he he was kind of out of the public eye. Yeah, that and might just
1: be a curmudgeon. I don't know.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. But he was he was a lot looser about things. I, I don't think he, he no longer felt the pressure mm-hmm. to change his country or lead it. Right. It was just about commenting on it and defending himself and, you know, saying what mm-hmm. he wanted. So one night when John Quincy Adams and Louisa were apart, mm-hmm. uh, John went to a ball in Washington and he saw a woman who was wearing a very revealing dress.
1: hmm And
0: he wrote Louisa a poem about how that made him feel.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. Is it like erotica?
0: Um, I mean, it's hard to call it erotica today. <laughs> he wrote to her, I suppose it may be one mode of exciting ladies to reflection to describe the effects which their exhibitions have a tendency to produce upon sensation. And then he enclosed this poem. To miss in full undress at a ball. When first in Eden's flowery dell, our grandam Eve was framed. She was, as holy legends tell, though naked, not ashamed. But when the serpent's subtle head had brought her to disgrace. What? When innocence and bliss were fled, the fig leaf took their place.
1: Oh my goodness. What serpent's head is he talking about? His own? (laughs) I
0: I mean, he's, he's talking about like the Garden of Eden and like the snake and like... Okay. Yeah, but there's certainly...
1: Some phallic um, connotation, phallic reference. Oh, for sure.
0: Already Sally now reveals to view neck, arms, and breast, while a bare spider's web conceals and scarce conceals the rest. Dear Sally, let thy heart be kind, discover all thy charms, fling that last fig leaf to the wind, and snatch me to thy arms. Wow. Hot. Yeah, I mean, it says something about their relationship that he could basically write, "Uh, I got aroused looking at another woman. Uh, (laughs) Please enjoy this poem I wrote about it. It rhymes and it's important. Louisa wrote back that his poem must have been written apparently in great spirits and containing the sauciest lines I ever perused. And then she said, I have a great inclination to have them published in the next anthology for the sake of my sex in general, to whom I hope they would prove a serious advantage. Exactly. Um, I gotta think she's messing with him and sort of sarcastically saying, uh, your insight into male desires is so fascinating. I, I think all women would love to hear it. Let's publish this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or let me call CNN, <laughs> kind of thing.
0: <laughs> it's no wonder that she once wrote to him, I can neither live with or without you. And, wow. Yeah, like the romantic soul that he was, he replied, I will not say I can neither live with nor without you, but in this cold weather, I should be very glad to live with you.
1: Mm, Okay. That's an interesting love.
0: They had an interesting relationship. Yeah. So we're going to move on now to president number seven. Okay. Andrew Jackson.
1: Mm, Did he have any love at all for anybody? For Rachel.
0: I I know for Rachel, Rachel. but
1: I know, but was it more of a narcissistic kind of thing?
0: I, I don't, I think his love for her was, was pretty pure in as much as it could be. Okay. Yeah.
1: So he can feel love. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Andrew Jackson can feel love.
0: Yeah. He can, he feels great hate and great love.
1: Yeah. in extremes.
0: Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I'll stop my diagnosis.
0: <laughs> one of, that's one of the best qualities about him. And we talked about this in our episode, the slut shaming evolution of Andrew Jackson, his love for his wife, Rachel. Right. And one of my favorite letters of his to her was written in 1814, a year after a gunfight had left him with a bullet lodged in his arm. Mm -hmm. He wrote to her, my love, I have the pleasure to inform you that since the bone came out of my arm, which I sent you, it is healing and strengthening very fast. I hope all the loose pieces of bone is out. And I will no longer be pained with it.
1: He's the one who sent her his bones.
0: Yes. This letter tells us that Jackson sent his own tiny bone fragments to his wife. Why? In the mail like they were souvenirs.
1: Well, like they were souvenirs or maybe because they couldn't, they didn't have anywhere else in case he needed his bones later. Maybe he sent them to her for safekeeping and not necessarily like, here, look at my bones. But here, keep these safe. I might need my bone fragments.
0: Why would you ever need your bone fragments that came out of your body?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they think it can be replaced or something. I don't know what they were thinking. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just saying maybe he had more of a strategic reason for sending them to her. I
0: don't. I got. I don't know. I think it was just here's here my bones. Here's my bones. (laughs) I love you.
1: Don't ever do that to me. I don't want your bones unless you need me to keep them for safekeeping. I will do that for you. Okay, but I don't want them as. A souvenir. No. I'm hesitant to even keep Emerson's teeth. She has a loose tooth and that thing's coming out eventually. And I don't even know what what to do do with with that that? thing. I don't know. My, my mother always kept my teeth and I had them for a long time and always look at them and it was interesting, but also gross and didn't, I mean, I almost made art with them. (laughs) That's what
0: I'm for now. Let's keep them because I might need them for like pictures or something. You want to put her teeth in your
1: pictures? Ugh, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about this later. Do you know
0: how hard it is just to get human teeth? And here we have like a factory of them in our home. <laughs> I'm just saying. Why do you need human You're teeth? You're always giving stuff away that we could use later. That's not true. We have room for teeth. Uh,
1: we can keep her teeth, but I, I don't know how I feel about you. you putting it in pictures.
0: <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Thank you. Andrew Jackson may not have had the same way with words that other presidents had but it's safe to say that no one else put as much of themselves into their letters as he did. Oh, but yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah,
2: yeah. Hello there, Giggawater gang. I'm Keena, the host of the boozy and delightfully foul-mouthed comedy podcast, Historical AF. I'm a nerdy public historian that is joined by a special guest each week to deliver funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Past topics have included the magical manhood of Russia's mad monk Rasputin. My hot take, the aliens did not build the pyramids. Serial killers that both my parents happened to meet as children. Listen, I know what you're thinking, Keena. how do you even exist right now? Also, who was it? All right, I'll tell you. Spoiler alert, it was Sean Wayne Gacy and Mark Allen Smith. Anywho, we can't forget the spooky. I've covered topics ranging from the ghost of Anne Boleyn to the night marchers in Hawaii. Don't like it, them, guys. If you do, you have to strip naked and you have to lay on the dirt. Them's the rules. You can listen and subscribe to Historical AF wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Historical Pod. And finally, you can check out the website for links to listen, sources, because citing is sexy, photos, and more at HistoricalAFPodcast.com. Okay, bye!
0: All right, now... Fasten your seatbelts. Okay? okay, are you ready?
1: I'm trying to be.
0: Okay, we are going to jump forward in time about a hundred years, way past the early presidents. Oh, because you cannot talk about presidential love letters without talking about Warren G. Harding.
1: Interesting. I don't know anything about Warren G. Harding.
0: That is okay. Um, here's a picture of him. No. Hmm. He was the 29th president from 1921 to 1923. He
1: looks very distinguished.
0: He doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a gravity, a gravitas to him. A gravitas, yes. A lot of it's in his eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: but he has a stern face. He has a he's good bone structure.
0: So I don't know if he actually wrote any love letters to his wife, but he made mad love to everyone except his wife.
1: Oh, he's kind of attractive.
0: He... Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, did, I didn't think that, but it's enlightening <laughs> to hear you say that. Because I look at him and I, I see like the mad, like Sam the Eagle Muppet. No. But you see something going on there.
1: Yeah. He has like a an energy. Wow. Even through the picture. And he's an old man and I'm still saying that. Wow. In that picture. Yeah.
0: All right. Then you might enjoy this.
1: He's got a sternness and a gravitas, like you said. It's like domineering and stern and strong. Okay.
0: And- um, I mean, I, he was a terrible husband. Okay, well, I'm not saying I want to marry him. Terrible president. Well, it's too late. You can't. (laughs) He was a pretty terrible person, really. But boy, howdy, could he write a love letter? Okay. And that's what we're going to focus on. Great. Specifically, his letters to a woman named Carrie Fulton Phillips. They had an affair that lasted, I think, about 15 years. Wow. All the way through his time as a U.S. senator and almost to his presidency. He wrote her over 100 letters, some as long as 40 pages.
1: Wow, that's longer than the fifteen-page Jefferson letter. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> a lot longer. At one point, he said to her, "I've been thinking about all those letters you have." He told her to chuck them in the fire because they are too flammable to keep. Oh, she did not chuck them or oh, burn them. Good for her. She kept them, and they were found after her death in
1: 1960.
0: Wow. The Harding family did not want them to get out, mm-hmm. and they ended up giving them to the Library of Congress in 1964. With a promise that they would remain sealed for fifty years, wow! Until twenty fourteen,
1: <laughs> so they they came out recently.
0: Yeah, some of them were somewhat recently. Yeah, some in two thousand nine uh, they were microfished, and some author got a hold of them, and he wrote a book with some of them in there. So they What's came out. What's
1: microfished?
0: Little, that's you know those scenes where. Um, You're like researching like the demon history of a small town and you go to the library and you're scrolling through the computer Yeah, and it's like, that's microfiche that you're looking at.
1: okay. We've been watching too much Supernatural. (laughs) It's
0: true. (laughs) Season three might not come out for a while. (laughs) Blame Sam and Dean. Blame Supernatural. In 2014, at a Library of Congress symposium on the historical significance of those letters, Warren G. Harding's grandnephew spoke, Dr. Richard Harding. He said, It is our hope and your responsibility to not be distracted by the sexually explicit prose that fills parts of these letters, but instead to use all the information in them to reassess the measure of a man. Hmm. Yeah, look, Dick, don't tell me how to use the information (laughs) in your great uncle's raunchy letters, all right? (laughs) So, are you ready to hear some titillating letters from Warren G. Harding?
1: Bring on the titillation. I'm ready to be titillized
0: here's one poem he wrote to her in january 1912 okay just three months before the titanic went down i love your poise of perfect thighs when they hold me in paradise Ooh. i love the rose your garden grows love seashell pink that over it glows i love to suck your breath away i love to cling there long to stay i love you garbed but naked more love your beauty to thus adore. I love you when you open eyes, and mouth and arms, and cradling thighs. If I had you today, I'd kiss and fondle you into my arms, and hold you there until you said, Warren, oh Warren, in a benediction of blissful (sighs) joy. i rather like that encore discovered in Montreal. Did you? Whoa.
1: Yeah. I'm officially turned on. Oh, my goodness. That's Orangey <laughs>
0: Harding for you. Yeah. And you may have a new favorite president. <laughs> well, not if he was a terrible person. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And one of the most scandalous presidencies in history.
1: Really? Um, I mean, really?
0: Until, re- I mean, you know, historically.
1: Okay. Historically.
0: Um, but the Montreal Encore—I mean, that sounds like a like a, some kind of a sex move,
1: or or an orgasm.
0: Yeah, or like a second orgasm, a second orgasm. Yeah, in Montreal. <laughs> um, well, all orgasms happen
1: in Montreal, <laughs> of course.
0: Oh, Canada! Here's another: January second, nineteen
1: thirteen. Is this to the same woman?
0: They all of these letters are to Carrie Phillips. Okay, yeah. got it. I stopped play to have sandwiches and crack a bottle of wine, so I could dwell with my thoughts. You can guess where they centered (laughs) on the new year's beginning a year before when the bell rang the chorus while our hearts sang the rapture without words. And we greeted the new year from the hallowed heights of heaven. When I got home, I was too tired to sleep, but I rested and you were summoned in finally. And you came a vision vividly plain, a goddess in human form and a perfect form clad only in flowing hair. And you were joyously received. And Jerry came and insisted on staying who's jerry while we all oh oh just you wait who's jerry just you wait while we all (laughs) retrospected in the happiness of a sunday in richmond i'm sorry you were you were asking something i was asking
1: who the hell is jerry
0: oh um let me read you this letter real quick
1: the next one yeah okay yeah maybe will this answer my question about jerry
0: this will inform your notions of jerry
1: So it'll answer my question.
0: August 20th, 1918. Wish I could take you to Mount Jerry. Wonderful spot. (laughs) Not in the geographies, but a heavenly place. And I have seen some passing views there and reveled in them. Gee, how I wish you might be along. (laughs) You could be such a dandy companion. It would be adorable to have you. I am sure I would be sweetly content. You could make me so.
1: Wait a minute. Is Jerry a place or a place on his body? Or, I mean, please break it down. Jerry, it could be so many things.
0: Jerry was Warren G. Harding's penis. Oh. Yeah. Okay. he pops up sometimes in these letters to does he? his head
1: where <laughs> his serpent head um, um can you please read part of that again with now with that knowledge i'd like to interpret it some more
0: oh sure from the mount jerry oh part well wish i could take you to mount jerry wonderful okay. spot
1: <laughs> got it um yeah wow oh, out of all hear? the names uh, all it's the pretty names, boring right it's just a it's it's a boring name, but it's also kind of like a sleazy name. Like, oh, who who grabbed your ass at work? Oh, It was Jerry.
0: Um, if you're listening and you host a podcast called "The Presidencies of the United States" and your name is Jerry, <laughs> we're um, not talking about this, you. This isn't you. This is you're not. You're not. No, a when sleazy, I hear your name, I Jerry. get excited. Yeah,
1: but not other, Mount, not Mount
0: Jerry excited. Jerry. Not all Jerry's.
1: <laughs> not <laughs> no. all Jerry's. Jerry Landry is is one to be reckoned with.
0: Yes. So that's how you feel about the name Jerry, but the name Howard is, is normal <laughs> to you? That's, that's
1: a Well, Howard, it definitely has an old man vibe, but it doesn't have a sleazy vibe. Really? That's the difference. Huh. Yeah. Howard is like kind and he's, you know, sweet.
0: What about like Jerry Seinfeld?
1: Jerry Seinfeld is sleazy.
0: You love Seinfeld.
1: I love Seinfeld.
0: Um, speaking of Jerry... Yes, March 12th. Hey, that's your birthday, right? Yeah. March 12th, 1915. Jerry, you were called Jerry, whose cards I once sent you to Europe came in while I was pondering your notes in glad reflection. And we talked about it. <laughs> he was strongly interested and elated and clung to discussion. He told me to say that you are the best and darlingest in the world. And if he could have, but one wish it would be to be held in your darling embrace and be thrilled by your pink lips that convey the surpassing rapture of human touch and the unspeakable joy of love's surpassing embrace.
1: Wow, pink lips, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Which lips are we talking about? I think it's pretty clear.
0: (laughs) Um, I
1: mean, it could be either.
0: I cordially agree with all he said. Perhaps (laughs) it is not important. Maybe it is not even interesting, but he is devotedly exclusively for you
1: wow yeah so i mean you said he had lots of affairs right
0: he did even but um, he's
1: devoted to her
0: yeah although
1: you know if he was a player he might be lying about
0: that That could definitely be <laughs> and i i like he i like how he's like you remember jerry
1: you, yeah, yeah you remember jerry I'm, remember jerry i had i i have jerry here oh remember jerry, jerry? oh jerry. jerry i didn't know you
0: were here jerry and apparently Jerry wrote some cards all by himself <laughs> to that. send her in Europe. Well,
1: Jerry's very capable. I guess so. <laughs> I
0: mean, we speak Jefferson wrote that whole letter with his left hand. Maybe Warren G. Harding was even more than ambidextrous.
1: Oh yeah. He was tridextrous. dextrous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Polydextrous maybe.
1: Polydextrous.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: Penile dextrous. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's that's, enough. that's the one. Yep.
0: Um, a little little background on these two. Um, There's more background on Warren G. and Carrie. Yeah, their their affair was more complicated than most. Um, than most affairs. Well, Warren G. Harding he was a married U.S. senator, and she was also married. Mm-hmm. But World War One was. Was going he like
1: Gubby, and that he just liked him married so he could keep his his profile under wraps?
0: I don't think so because he was married himself. But it was a really just. Loveless marriage and he wasn't shy about saying that.
1: Oh, that's so depressing. It
0: is depressing The complicated part is that world war one was going on And she was accused of being a spy for germany
1: That is complicated. Yeah, why was she accused of being a spy?
0: Uh, She'd lived in germany for years and she was extremely pro germany and she wouldn't shut up about it Oh, that's why yeah in the same letter where he's talking about jerry craving her embrace. He says I have never approved of your war attitude, but I have loved you no less. Jerry loves you. Yeah. And it was more than just like a disagreement. Congress had passed the Espionage Act of 1917, and that made it illegal to side with the enemy. So people all over the country were deputized into this American Protection League, and they were tasked with reporting spies. Mm -hmm. And Carrie Phillips was reported to the federal government for saying that she was a paid spy for Germany. She said that. Reportedly, she said that. Whether that's true, I don't know, because this was like a a a paranoid "report your neighbor" kind of thing.
1: It probably isn't.
0: But she was often talking about how much she loved Germany. Right. I mean, she even tried to convince Warren G. Harding, as a senator, to vote against sending U.S. troops to Germany.
1: That is a bit treasonous.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly concerning.
1: Mm -hmm. It is concerning.
0: Yeah, Harding's best defense for her not being a spy was that she was so vocal about her feelings. That she'd make a really shitty spy.
1: Yeah. She was an open buck.
0: Um, maybe she was a little treasonous, uh, but you know.
1: <laughs> but she was open about it at least. Yeah.
0: And Jerry didn't care.
1: <laughs> Jerry don't care.
0: <laughs> Here's another letter. Oh, gosh. I know. September 15th, 1913. Honestly, I hurt with the insatiate longing until I feel that there will never be any relief until I take a long, deep, wild draft on your lips and oh then goodness. bury my face on your pillowing breasts <laughs> oh Carrie I want the solace you only can give it is awful to hunger so and be so wholly denied wouldn't you like to hear me ask if we only dared and answer we dare while Sills rejoicing sang the sweetest of choruses in the music room wouldn't you like to get sopping wet out on Superior not the lake For With Jerry <laughs> for the joy of fevered fondling and melting kisses wow Wouldn't you like to make the suspected occupant of the next room jealous of the joys he could not know as we did in morning communion at Richmond? Oh, carry mine. Wow. You can see I have yielded and written myself into wild desire. (laughs) I could beg and Jerry came and will not go. (laughs) Says he loves you, that you are the only, only love worthwhile in all this world. And I must tell you so, and a score or more of other fond things he suggests, but I spare you.
1: Oh my goodness! Don't spare us. I wish like, we had Jerry's I, letters. I know. I want Jerry's right? letters. Where's well, the stuff Jerry's writing?
0: <laughs> you must not be annoyed. He is so utterly devoted that he only exists to give you all. I fear you would find a fierce enthusiast today.
1: Fierce enthusiast in Jerry.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's such a good thing that orangey harding did not have the ability to send dick pics
1: oh gosh he'd be one of those people for he sure he might be
0: i mean th- this is what you had to do back in the day though you had to actually describe your penis in flowery anthropomorphic terms give it names
1: but she seemed to appreciate it
0: She kept kept all the letters. Um, I mean, there was a strategic element to her keeping the letters too.
1: Interesting. What do you mean by that?
0: Um, I mean she tried to blackmail him.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, good for her.
0: There, (laughs) there are no heroes in this story. It doesn't seem
1: like it. I don't know. I found him attractive before, but like hearing all the name of his penis and like hearing him name his penis and I mean, it's just like a turn off to me. I mean, his letters are a turn on, but like the penis part.
0: What if Jerry had like the same stern eyebrows that Harding did? I
1: don't want to picture Jerry with
0: stern eyebrows. Okay. Okay. So, Period. So Jerry was a code, and and like you were saying, well, maybe you weren't saying this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase you incorrectly and say <laughs> it's not fair for him to have a code, but Carrie not to. Right. Don't worry though.
1: Okay. Does Carrie name her own vagina?
0: I don't know if she names it. I don't know who named it, but. She does get her own nickname.
1: Oh, Vag names. Yeah.
0: I'm very curious. (laughs) April 4th, 1915. (laughs) You do sometimes reveal disapproval of things written and never approve. I suppose you think it a crime to utter a word of love.
1: So he's like harassing her. It sounds now like she has said, come on, stop. And now he's harassing her. That's what it sounds like.
0: Maybe there's a lot of back and forth going on. So I don't know. Maybe you can't truthfully. Still, when I saw Mrs. Powderson a month ago... Powderson? She persuaded me you still loved. I had a really happy day with her.
1: Oh. (laughs) Did Jerry come out and play?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Jerry got along well with mrs Powderson. it's it's not what i would name a vagina but as far as secret code names go i dig it (laughs) it makes me picture like angela lansbury
1: (laughs) i was that sexy i don't know it's
0: there's just something like dainty about it like you know like i don't know at times it seems like she wanted him all to herself but he would never leave his wife or leave politics
1: why why not leave his wife
0: Divorce was kind of a frowned-upon thing and I think she was very frail I think that there were health issues and I think that even if it was a loveless marriage. He He did care for her and he Mm -hmm. didn't want to to leave her. Yeah She she tried to blackmail him when it became clear that he was gonna run for president What so he told her your proposal to destroy me and yourself in doing so will only add to the ill We have already done So he offered her five thousand dollars a year For as long as he was in public service. Wow. So if she ruined his career, the money would stop. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that wasn't very long, though, because he died two years into his presidency. Oh, wow. Yeah, no more money for Carrie, no more treks to Mount Jerry for Mrs. (laughs) Powder.
1: So he died... He He died died just two years into his presidency. Mm. How did he die? Uh, heart Syphilis? (laughs) No, no.
0: Um, Heart-related issues. Oh, wow. There was speculation that his wife poisoned him, but Um, no support for that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Why were people speculating that?
0: Because his affairs were not very secret.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, there was another woman that he was banging all over the White House. Oh,
1: my gosh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he had an illegitimate child with her. Wow. And that woman wrote a book about it i think her name was nan Britton, and nobody believed her and i I think she may have made a good amount of money on the book that she had to self-publish but nobody believed her and then years later dna proved that she was right
1: (laughs) gosh that's a whole other um episode
0: yeah we may dig into that sometime later in the future i'm gonna take it home with a more recent president who wrote a letter to his valentine
1: Speaking of which, I really like how you did up our living room for this recording. You turn the lights off. You put candles all around as if we're having like a hot date here. Thank you. Uh, the candles <laughs>
0: are 80% to set the mood and 20% um, to offset the plumbing issue. You maybe haven't. <laughs> right. But, you know. It's a very nice mood for our recording. killing two birds is sexy. Yeah, right.
1: Nice thinking ahead.
0: Yeah. So. This letter is from the 40th president, Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. to his wife, Nancy. Okay. He wrote, Darling Mommy Pooh.
1: Oh, I'm already that Miss um, Powderson.
0: He's not writing to her vagina.
1: Okay, I'm just... So Mommy Pooh's not a vagina name? No. Oh, well, I'm glad for that. It's still a bad letter You're, already.
0: Your mind is still in the gutter, okay? We have left <laughs> you put Orangey me there. Harding behind. You put this me is there. a sweet letter to bring things to a nicer place. If you ever
1: call me Mommy Poo, I'll be really upset. Wow. Don't call me Mommy Poo ever. Okay. This just sounds so degrading.
0: I think it was it, they're just sweet old people, okay? <laughs> I don't think he wasn't degrading her. I don't. Even when we're old, I don't want you to okay. call me that. Okay. Noted. Thanks. Darling Mommy Poo. Ugh. February 14th, maybe the date they observe and call Valentine's Day. But that is for people of only ordinary luck. I happen to have a Valentine's life, which started on March 4th, 1952, their wedding anniversary.
1: Yeah, that's
0: nice. And will continue as long as I have you. Therefore, realizing the importance of this to me, will you be my Valentine from now on and forever and ever? You see, my choice is limited. A Valentine's life or no life, because I love you very much. Papa.
1: Oh. That's sweet, except for the part where they call each other mama, mommy and papa.
0: Yeah, mommy poo. What are you going to do?
1: I mean, that's sweet. It's yes. really sweet.
0: Um, some presidents and their lovers have a way with words. Mm-hmm. But here's to never burning your love letters. Uh-huh. And here's to you, Jess, my ladybird, bird. Oh. My miss adorable mommy poo no put it back in (laughs) (laughs) there's no one i'd rather be quarantined with oh (laughs) happy valentine's day thank
1: you you too babe (laughs) i I love you
0: i love you too we have fun doing this we do we have our fun (laughs) (laughs) i want to give a shout out to some patreon supporters oh
1: my gosh we've gotten a few more yes
0: thank you so much
1: we're so excited to have you it means the world to us that anyone ever would <laughs> <laughs> would become a patron for this podcast. And we're so, we're so grateful.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, James, for your generous support. And Jared, a dear old friend who's um, given me so much over the years, including introducing me to Jess.
1: Oh, my gosh. And he was the best man at our he wedding. Was. So, Jared, thank you for your
0: support. Yeah. It means
1: the world to us, as always.
0: Thank you also to Melinda. And Nicole, who's,
1: yeah,
0: and Nicole, whose interest in the Supreme Court makes me want to learn so much more.
1: Yeah, and then you can teach me.
0: Yeah, and then thank you, Cliff. You rock. You kind soul. And thanks <laughs> so much, also to Ashley.
1: Ashley, I just love all of our patrons so yes. much.
0: Our Patreon supporters get behind-the-scenes outtakes and extra content, handcrafted welcome letters, a presidential Valentine. Yes. Um, an exclusive Facebook group. One tier even gets a box set of naughty presidential Valentine's postcards. Yeah. And for Plotter Supremes and above, they get a special monthly bonus podcast with our six-year-old daughter, Kinder Plotting.
1: Yes, which is kid-friendly. Yes. And also very strange.
0: (laughs) To give you a taste of what they're getting, here is a short clip from our first episode of Kinder Plotting. Oh,
1: fun. I can't wait.
0: And so that story was part of telling kids all across America that George Washington, the president, (laughs) was an honest man and a good man, and that he was that way ever since he was a little kid. Wow, that is really cool. I like that. You like that? What do you think about being honest and not lying? How do you feel about that? Well, I feel good about it. Yeah? Have you ever told a lie?
2: I think one time.
0: Yeah? Tell me about that.
2: Well, I was going poop, and I called to mom, I'm ready to wipe.
0: And she said, try first. And I didn't really do anything. I was pretending, but I didn't know that I forgot to put toilet paper in um, the toilet. Yeah. And um, mom looked in the toilet, and she said, no, no, you did not. I don't see any toilet paper, so that was a lie. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. You can get that and more if you go to patreon.com and search for Plotting Through the Presidents and sign up. We will be back for season three in the spring. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook for daily updates. Find out more at plotpod.com. If you like what you heard, rate us, write a review. Please tell your friends.
1: Yes, it means so much to us. And go get vaccinated as soon as you can.
0: If you can, when you can, please. Because
1: we can't wait to see you in person. (laughs) Yes.
0: Thank you for plotting and happy Valentine's and President's Day. Happy
1: Valentine's Day. Bye. I popped you a fly.